Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of the Weekly Insight Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Andrew Dore. I want to thank you for taking some time with us today. Before we get started, I'll do what I do every time and just remind you that what you're about to hear today should not be considered individual investment advice, but instead just my thoughts and our firm's thoughts on what's going on in the market and the economy. Today, we are going to talk about, I know this is going to surprise everybody, the Fed, but we're also going to talk about politics. And not not in the way that everybody's getting sick of talking about it already, I promise, but a little bit talking about how politics is going to impact what the Fed does how the Fed may impact politics, and more importantly, how the Fed has been impacted by politics forever. Because, you know, Congress created the Federal Reserve in 1913 with a bill called the Federal Reserve Act. It was, unsurprisingly, a controversial bill. It passed the Senate with just four Republican votes. But it was just the next in a long line of controversy surrounding the U.S. banking system. You may recall Alexander Hamilton, that guy made famous again by Lin-Manuel Miranda, He started the first central bank. It was aptly named the First Bank of the United States. Hamilton wanted to bring order to the U.S. monetary system and create the ability to provide credit to both private and public sectors. There were others, very prominent others, like Thomas Jefferson, who were strongly opposed to this idea, wanting a purely private system for banking. Hamilton won that battle in the short term, But not for long. The charter, which was established in 1791 for a period of 20 years, failed to be renewed in 1811, and the U.S. was without a central bank. That lasted for about five years. We got into a war in 1812, which you'll recall, and the government realized that it needed a better way to pay off the debts surrounding that war. So the second bank of the United States was formed, and it was also chartered for 20 years. And much like the first... The charter failed for the second to be extended in 1836, and the bank closed its doors. Thus began a nearly 80-year period without any sort of central banking system in the United States. Banks were not really regulated. There were no real tools for managing the economy. It was the definition of laissez-faire. Let the people do as they choose. It was in economic troubles, though, specifically the Panic of 1907, which led leaders back to the idea of a central bank. The bill which formed it had the following as its official title, an act to provide for the establishment of Federal Reserve banks to furnish an elastic currency, to afford means of rediscounting commercial paper, to establish a more effective supervision of banking in the United States, and for other purposes. You know, break it down, they were really worried about a stable currency, they were really worried about banking regulations. The most important amendment to this bill was done in 1977, in my opinion, and it stated in Section 2A, the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System and the Federal Open Market Committee shall maintain long-run growth of the monetary and credit aggregates commensurate with the economy's long-run potential to increase production, so as to promote effectively the goals of maximum employment, stable prices, and moderate long-term interest rates. How often have you heard Chairman Powell and his comments talk about the Fed's mandate? This is it. Maximum employment, stable prices, moderate long-term interest rates. 
The very idea of a central bank has been controversial in the United States since its founding, since the founding of our country. Even today, there are voices calling for the abolishment of the Fed. And so today we find ourselves in an interesting time. Whether we like it or not, Fed policy has worked through this current inflation crisis. Remember the goals, maximum employment, stable prices, moderate long-term interest rates. Well, we have maximum employment currently at 3.7% unemployment. That is a historically low level. Core PCE has fallen to levels well below the long-term historical average. Stable prices are returning. That was the next mandate. And whether we want to admit it or not, we do have moderate long-term interest rates. The 10-year Treasury yield, which closed last week at 4.24%, is 162 basis points lower than the average since 1960, which is 5.86%. Simply put, we may not like all the outcomes, but this system has worked so far. Could things be better? Of course they could. We would all love to see a decade, like we saw pre-pandemic, when we see long-term stable growth and minuscule interest rates. But that was the Goldilocks era. To get through the pandemic we had and get to this point without seeing any real long-term economic damage is stunningly good. We doubt many would have predicted it four years ago when the pandemic was just kicking off, but here we are. And yet, even with those successes, politics is heading straight back for the Fed. And it may not be pretty. Why? One of the weirdest presidential elections of our time is about to collide with the Fed's timing on interest rate cuts. We've talked for weeks now about the differences between the Fed's preferred path on rates and the market's beliefs of what they will do. As a refresher, the Fed announced in December that they believed they would cut rates three times in 2024. The market had a much different view. The market said, no, it's going to be seven. You guys are going to start cutting rates in March. The timing and the number of cuts is really important. If the Fed waits too long or cuts too little, the odds of a recession increase dramatically. But data we've seen in recent weeks, including last week's CPI data, continue to show a strong economy with inflation that's still a little bit stickier than the Fed would want. If the Fed cuts rates quickly into too good of an economy, we would likely see inflation return. And so the market is now coming in line with the Fed. What was once seven expected rate cuts fell to six and then to five. As of Sunday, the market is now expecting four rate cuts, with the first not happening until June. That's good news for us as it relates to market volatility. The market has completely reset its expectations on rate cuts, and the S&P is still up nearly 5% for the year. That's awesome news. We'll take it. But it also means that rate cuts will likely begin in the heart of a very messy presidential election. Former President Trump has already attacked Chairman Powell and the Fed, accusing them of using rates as a political tool. He said on Maria Bartiromo's show earlier this month, quote, I think he's going to do something to probably help the Democrats. I think if he lowers interest rates, it looks to me like he's trying to lower rates for the sake of maybe getting people elected. I don't know. Powell has been a fierce defender of the Fed's independence. Does the likelihood that any rate cuts in the second half of 2024 will be seen as political force him to delay even further? We sure hope not, because the results could be quite damaging for the economy. Let's hope they play it by the book. Let's hope they ignore any political pain or pressure from both sides of the aisle.
but that may be a challenging thing to accomplish this year. So it's something we're going to have to continue to pay very, very close attention to. We'll leave it there for this week. As always, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, or would just like to talk to us about this, feel free to give us a call at the office at 515-273-1333, or you can visit us on the web at www.insightwealthgroup.com. I hope you have a great week. I look forward to touching base with you again soon. Take care. Securities offered through Arate Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Arate Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm. 